The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, preached October 31st, 2010. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God, through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in Jesus Christ this morning, is Romans 3, verses 19 through 28, the second lesson for today. We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those under the law, in order that every mouth is shut and all the world stands accountable to God. Therefore, no one at all is justified before him by works of law, for through law comes awareness of sin. But now, righteousness from God without law has been revealed. As the law and the prophets testify, righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ for all and to all who believe. For there is no difference, since all have sinned and keep falling short of God's approval, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. He's the one that God presented as the atonement through faith in his blood to prove his righteousness because the sins committed previously were passed over in God's forbearance, to prove his righteousness in the present time, so that he is just and the justifier of the one who lives by faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what kind of principle? On that of works? No, but on the principle of faith. For we maintain that by faith a man is justified without works of law. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Help me, Saint Anne, and I'll become a monk. Such a cry from the terrified conscience of a young law student. Was he ready to face the righteous judge of the universe from whom no sin is hidden? Death had been on his mind. Death had already taken a close college friend of his. Death had knocked on his door as well. During his school days he had accidentally cut a vein in his leg and nearly bled to death except that the friend who was with him was able to run to the nearby town and bring back a doctor in time. Death terrified him. So now, in the year 1505, as he walked toward the city of Erfurt, and a thunderbolt strikes so close by, the terror of his sin and facing death unprepared overwhelms him. He cries out, Help me, Saint Anne, and I will become a monk. Yes, the young Martin Luther was well aware of his sin, and it terrified him. That, dear friends, is God's purpose in giving us his law, to make us aware of our sinfulness. But do we still use it for that purpose? The apostle writes, through the law we become conscious of sin. God gave his law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to him. How often? Don't we hear about being accountable to yourself or maybe even having an accountability partner? But what about being accountable to God? How how terrifying that thought is. 
We don't like to think of it, though. But the law marches out God's righteous requirements, marches them out before our eyes. It holds us accountable for our every thought, word, action, and attitude. How you have failed. How I have failed. Hear the law's condemnation against you and me. Oh, I suppose we could close our eyes and cover our ears. We could make our own noise trying to drown out the testimony of our conscience against us. But you will be called to account. No one can escape death. When was the last time you sat down with God's law, his Ten Commandments, and seriously contemplated what they are saying to you? When was the last time you sat down with the commandments and, and, and the explanation of them in Luther's catechism? And don't simply brush over them, figuring to yourself, well, yeah, I haven't been all that bad. No murders, adulteries, or robberies on my record. God's law aims deep into our hearts. It strikes where we don't want anyone else to be looking. What about your anger, lust, greed? What about your bitterness, rage, envy, hatred, discontent, your lack of self-control, worry? You're accountable to God for each and every one of those thoughts, feelings, and attitudes. And what about our running after the things of this world rather than seeking first Him and His kingdom and His righteousness? How many idols have we set up in our own hearts? How many prayers left unsaid? How many opportunities to gladly hear and learn His word have you despised? You will be called to account. No one can escape. And as you are standing there before the judge of the universe, the righteous judge from whom nothing is hidden, what are you going to plead? None of your works measure up to the law's requirements. They all fall short of God's approval. For as the scriptures declare, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. No one. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. No exceptions, not even you. There is no difference. God's law silences all our claims. It, it shuts our mouth and, and silences our defenses when we try to plead that we are being good enough or are doing enough or have been better than some or have tried our best, it all falls short. God's law leaves no excuse, no defense, no righteousness, only sin, condemnation, and death. But take heart, dear friend, take heart for another kind of righteousness, a righteousness that has nothing to do with your keeping of the law. Uh, this, this different righteousness has been uh, revealed. Yes, neither you nor I nor anyone else could ever have figured it out or guessed at it or discovered it or invented it. It had to be revealed to us, made known, for it was hidden to our sin-blinded minds. 
Now where? Where is this righteousness revealed? Where do we find it? In the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul in the text here calls the Scriptures the Law and the Prophets. The Scriptures are God's Word that he made known through the prophets and apostles. He had them write it down for our learning. That's what the word Scripture reminds us of, that this is written down for us, for you and for me. Throughout the Scriptures, throughout the the Bible, Old and New Testament, God makes known this other kind of righteousness, the only righteousness that can save you and me. So, dear friends, what is this saving righteousness? The inspired apostle tells us. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through Faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Yes, dear friends, this righteousness is not based on our works or on the law, but rather on God's promise. That's why it comes through faith. It is based on God's promise in Christ Jesus. But the young Luther did not know anything about this righteousness. And that's why he called out to St. Anne, the supposed mother of the Virgin Mary and, and, uh, and patron saint of minors. That's why he promised to become a monk, for his church told him that, that that was the way to get right with God, that you could do extra works beyond the Ten Commandments. That's why Luther became a monk, to try to gain this righteousness based on works, this righteousness that comes by doing extra things as the church was telling him, extra things. And so he took those vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, hoping that by doing that he could make himself righteous. Luther worked hard as a monk. He became a priest as well. He even made a pilgrimage on foot to Rome. He honored the relics of the saints. He said the prayers and did the works he was told to do. But no matter how hard he worked, he knew that he wasn't righteous before God. In fact, the harder he worked, the more he realized how far he fell short. You see, the law was doing its work in Luther's conscience. It was making him aware, ever so aware of his sin. How was Luther going to deal with this terrified conscience? Well, his superior, Dr. Stelpitz, decided that the solution for Luther's troubled conscience was to study the scriptures. And as Luther studied and taught God's word, the Holy Spirit brought him to know this other righteousness, this righteousness that is is revealed in the scriptures alone, this righteousness that is apart from law. Yes, the Holy Spirit opened Luther's eyes to see this righteousness from God that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And so those words, righteousness of God, that once terrified Luther, now brought him peace and joy. 
For the Holy Spirit opened his eyes to see that the God's righteousness that saves is not the righteous requirements that the law demands, but rather the righteousness God promises as a free gift in Christ Jesus. But could this righteousness, this this righteousness by faith really be for someone like Luther who had for so many years tried to earn his uh, salvation and gain God's favor by works? Could this righteousness really be for someone like you and me, wicked, guilty sinners that we are? For you see, when the law does its work in our hearts, our hearts despair of how God could ever count someone like me righteous. How could a guilty sinner like me be right in his sight? But take heart, dear friend, take heart, for this righteousness that comes from God, apart from law, is indeed for you. Listen again to the inspired apostle. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Are you, are you among those who have sinned? Are you included in that all? Are you included in that all who have fallen short of God's glorious holiness, failing to meet the law's requirements and so gain his approval? Oh, yes, I am. Our convicted consciences call out, yes, I am among that all who have sinned. But listen closely, dear friend, dear fellow sinner, that same all who have sinned is the all who are justified freely by God's grace. Yes, you, dear sinner, you are justified. You are declared righteous, acquitted as not guilty, freely, according to his gracious goodwill, apart from works, apart from law. Yes, this righteousness is for you. Believe it, believe it, dear friend, for God has promised it. It is his free gift to you. But but how can that be? How can the holy, righteous, just God count me as right in his sight? Isn't isn't that a, a, a breach of justice, a grave injustice, since I am beyond any doubt guilty? How long do you think a judge would continue to sit on the bench without being impeached or voted out of office if he always declared criminals not guilty. This question of God's justice isn't a question our modern world wants to address. Unlike Luther's day, where people lived in terror of a just God, today people walk all over him, doing their own thing, figuring that he'll overlook their faults. And often the worst offenders are those who are most eager to point out that God is loving and forgiving, so don't you dare tell me that I am sinning. It's a cheap forgiveness, an unjust righteousness that they expect from him. But let us deal with that question. How can God be the just 
holy, righteous God he is, and yet count sinners like me, like you, righteous in his sight. How could he freely, by grace, justify me and forgive my sins? The answer is in those words, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, dear friends, there is no injustice here, for the price for sin has been paid for. That's what redemption is, the paying of the ransom price to set someone else free. And that price did not come cheaply. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. God's own Son, Jesus Christ, willingly offered himself as the payment, the full payment, He offered himself as the willing sacrifice to appease God's justice and to turn his righteous anger away from you and from me, from from all of our sins. Yes, he made full satisfaction in our place, for he lived that perfect righteous life that the law requires from us. He lived that in our place and then laid down his life for you. His holy Precious blood, the blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. His holy divine blood ransomed you, redeemed you, paid the full price to bring you that righteousness from God. For that righteousness that comes from God is certainly free as God gives it. But it did not come cheaply. For Jesus. So there at the cross, dear friends, there at the cross, you witness the fullness of God's justice. If anyone had thought God unjust for saving Old Testament believers like, like Abraham, even though their sin had not yet been paid for, at the cross they saw God's justice punishing those sins and all the sins from Adam and Eve until the last day, including all of yours. Yes, by punishing his Son, Jesus Christ, as the willing substitute in our place, he has demonstrated his justice at the present time. Yes, God is certainly both just, for he has left no sin unpunished, and also the justifier because he freely credits Jesus' righteousness to all who believe. Do you see, dear friends, how all this hinges on Jesus? Martin Luther brings this home to us in his explanation to the second article of the Apostles' Creed in the Catechism. My Lord has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sin, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. Everything hinges on Jesus. So it's not just any kind of faith that saves, but only faith in Jesus. Any other kind of faith kills. For example, maybe this past week you heard about the great faith of Mabba Marajan of Java. He was the spiritual guardian of the volcano Mount Merapi in Indonesia. Yes, this was an ancestral spiritism. And he believed that he was responsible to pray to and appease those spirits in the volcano. 
And he had that great faith that stayed there even when he was told that the, the volcano would erupt. He stayed and prayed and died. His faith was a false faith where he did not know Jesus. And false faith leads only to death and hell. Yes, dear friend, you're justified through faith in Jesus alone. God's verdict is indeed for all, but so many reject that righteousness that comes from God. They reject it in their unbelief or in their ignorance. They reject the righteousness paid for by the blood of Christ, God's Son. They reject the only righteousness that can save them, and so they will be held accountable for all their sins. Only condemnation, death, and hell await them. How dreadful! Believe, dear friend, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each day put your faith in him alone. There is no room for boasting, no room for claiming any credit for yourself. Our works condemn us. But we maintain that a man is justified by faith, apart from observing the law. Romans 3.28 You're justified only through faith in Christ alone. That's the Reformation theme for you to take home today. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.